So, welcome to True Crime Addicts. Um, sorry if my voice is just bleh. I've been super sick and coming off of that. But this episode will be about the Darden family murder. So, Keith Darden and his wife, Elaine Darden, lived in a rented beige and white mobile home nestled among Woodland beside Route 37. Just outside in the Illinois with her two-year-old son, Peter. Elaine was also pregnant with her second child, a daughter who they planned on calling Casey. Keith worked as a treatment plant operator while Elaine worked in an office supply store. In their free time, the couple played in the musical ensemble at a local Baptist church. The area the young family lived in had been becoming increasingly violent. The couple wanted to move somewhere safer for their children due to the increase of murders and rapes in the surrounding area. Keith was very protective of his family. On, a, on one occasion, he refused entry to the home to a young woman who asked to use their phone. In fact, Keith told his mother he was planning on moving back to Mount Carmel. On the 18th of November, 1987, Keith didn't show up for work for his shift, nor had he called in sick. This was extremely out of character for the reliable worker. When his supervisor called Keith's house phone, there was no answer. The supervisor then called Keith's parents to see if they knew where he was. When Keith didn't answer the phone calls from his parents, they became concerned and called the police. Arranging to meet them at the family's home with a spare key, they discovered the bodies of Elaine Peter and a newborn baby girl, all lying in one bed. Both Elaine and Peter had been bound and gagged before being brutally beaten to death with Peter's baseball bat, which had been a present from his father. Elaine suffered a blow to the right top of her head, which fractured her skull. Peter suffered numerous abrasions and contusions, and his skull was also fractured. During the ruthless attack, Elaine had given birth to a baby girl. The killer took no mercy on the newborn either and ended her life as soon as it began, like the mother and brother that she had never got a chance to meet. She, too, was beaten to death. Before leaving, the killer had made a sloppy attempt to clean the crime scene. Unable to find Keith, it was initially believed that he had slaughtered his family and then fled. His car was missing from outside the home. However, the following day, Keith's body was discovered by hunters in a wheat field just over the Franklin County line. Approximately a mile away from their mobile home, Keith had been shot once in the frontal skull on the right side of his face and on his left cheek. Additionally, his penis had been chopped off. His 1981 Plymouth would later be found parked outside the police station in Benton, around 11 miles from the family's mobile home. The inside was spattered with blood, indicating that Keith had been murdered. There had been multiple murder there or been mutilated there. Autopsies of the victims couldn't conclude who was killed first. It was determined that they were killed within an hour or two 
Investigators were stumped to find a motivation lying in plain view. Was cash, jewelry, and a video camera, none of which had been stolen. There was no sign of forced entry. The back door was unlocked. While Keith had been sexually mutilated, investigators ruled out a sexual motivation. Investigators couldn't find any evidence or extramarital affairs which had which could have resulted in a jealous rage, nor could they find any debt troubles or grudges. We have all the pieces of the puzzle. We just have to put them in the right order, said Detective Mightanthus, that they were drug dealers. Investigators found a small amount of marijuana, but found no evidence that they were drug dealers. In fact, Keith's mother, Joanne Darden, suggested that the marijuana may have belonged to the killer. The murders were so brutal that some some investigators even theorized that the crime was the work of a cult trying to appease the devil. Investigators did deduce that the Darden family were chosen, possibly even by mistake. I don't think it was a passerby, said Detective John Kemp. The most plausible theory is that the killer gained entry into the home at some point, left the home, and Keith had murdered him. And Keith had murdered him. Then returned to the home to eliminate the witnesses. The case quickly came to a standstill, much to the dismay of Joanne at at least once a week. Joanne called the Mount Vernon Sheriff's Office to nudge officers to keep working on her son's case. I carried Keith for nine months. I raised him. I worshipped the ground he walked on. He was a good man and a good father, she said, and I will never give up. Joanne had her own theories that somebody wanted to sell drugs and he refused or Elaine turned down somebody's advances causing them to lash out. The most promising lead came with a serial killer. Tommy Lynn Sells was arrested after slashing the throats of Kayleen Harris, 13, and Crystal Surlis, 10, as they slept in Harris' home. Surlis survived the attack and was able to help create a composite sketch of the killer, which led to Sells. Following his arrest, Sells claimed he had carried out the Darden killings along with 70 other unsolved murders. While he had, while he was confirmed to have committed at least 12 murders, investigators could never definitively link him to the Darden murders. He often gave statements which didn't match with the evidence. Keith's mother, Joanne, dismisses Sell's claims that he met with him. And Elaine, Keith was too was far too protective of his family to entertain such a thing, Joanne said. In 2014, Sells was put to death in Texas, and nobody's ever been charged with the murders of the Darden family.